Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today we continue our studies in 1 Thessalonians, Paul, the Gospel and the Church. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart. We'd love for you to join us over there. Good morning to you. It's a beautiful day today. Um, Obviously, I put a bit of a clickbait title on today, but there was no way of avoiding it, I'm afraid. It is the topic that is in this passage. So um, we are looking at the issue of sex, although I trust and believe it will be relevant to all of us. Um, Obviously, what the Apostle Paul is doing now is he's moving on to some practical issues of Christian living and uh, answering some questions that perhaps the Thessalonians have uh, dealing with some issues that perhaps he's heard about that are issues for them in their city. And uh, so he's going to speak here about sex. Then he's going to speak about brotherly love. Then he's going to speak about uh, work and uh, our Christian lifestyle in the workplace. So lots of relevant topics. But today we look in verse uh, three and he says in chapter four, that it is God's will that we should be sanctified, that we should avoid sexual immorality, uh, that each of us should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in uh, passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter you should, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for such sins as we have already told you and warned you, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So what Paul is um, saying here positively in verse three is that it's God's will for us to be sanctified. And then negatively, he says, and that we should avoid sexual immorality. Now, this would have been a very relevant issue for the people in uh, Thessalonica. Um, There was uh, a Greek god there uh, by the name um, of a Kabiri uh, that was a kind of goddess of sex. And obviously, Paul was writing from Corinth, where, of course, uh, the Greek god Epaphrodites, the the goddess of of love and and beauty and sex, was, was based and uh, Venus would have been the Roman uh, sort of word for for that uh, that whole cult around there. F.F. Bruce talks about the lifestyle of the Romans at this time. And he says that a, a man might have had a mistress who would provide him with intellectual companionship as well. Uh, then the institution of slavery made it easier for him to have a concubine. Uh, then with casual gratification, readily available from a harlot and the function of his wife was to manage his household and to be the mother of his legitimate children and heirs. Uh, Leckie, William Leckie, writing in the history of European morals, says that there was probably never a period when vice was more extravagant or uncontrolled than it was under the Caesars. Uh, Perhaps apart from now, uh, it's still incredibly relevant issue, isn't it? And what Paul says here is that we are to avoid. Now, the word avoid is quite a weak word. I love what the J.B. Phillips says. J.B. Phillips says, make a clean cut. 
with sexual immorality. In other words, he says it's total abstention. It's not playing around the edges, but as Howard Marshall puts it, it's having nothing to do with this. It's total abstention. As the Apostle Paul puts it elsewhere, have nothing to do with uh, immorality and dirty language and all those kind of things. Have nothing to do with it. Now, what's the antidote that Paul offers? And he gives us in verse uh, four the antidote that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not like in lust like the heathens. Now, there's a huge debate about what this means. Control his own body. There are essentially three potential interpretations. This is probably the hardest verse in the whole of 1 Thessalonians to translate. Uh, and there are legitimate views on either side. And actually, I think it's OK to uh, whichever way you fall with this. But um, one possibility is, as the NIV has put it, to control his own body. Literally, that's what it means. A second option um, is that it means to uh, control his own uh, member. And uh, the atheists at the time, there were kind of pagans and so on. That word there uh, could have been member. So in other words, keep it in your pants. Um, the third option is to acquire his own wife. And you'll, you'll probably see in the footnotes of your uh, Bibles that it does say that that is a legitimate alternative, acquire his own wife. Now, why the debate about this? Well, there's two issues. First of all, the word for control that we've got here. And really, um, the word uh, usually meant and, and meant acquire rather than control. Now, admittedly, acquiring could have begun to mean also that you then enjoy what you have acquired, that you that you possess what you have acquired, that you continue to uh, make you to to enjoy what you have acquired. But the word really means to acquire primarily rather than to control. And then the other issue is the word that we have here for body, which is the word skuos in the Greek, which is vessel. Now, vessel um, uh, was never used in the New Testament uh, for body. In fact, vessel was used for people. So Paul says that we are vessels of clay. And he says himself that he is a chosen vessel, a chosen instrument, a chosen vessel chosen by God as an apostle. And he speaks in what Peter speaks in one Peter about women being uh, a vessel. And so it is a metaphor for people. And so therefore, it's not really body, but it is a metaphor for people. So therefore, it's legitimate to interpret this as acquire his own vessel, his own wife, rather than control his own body. Now, as I say, there are different interpretations. Joshua and I have had a good debate about this, and uh, I don't want to, I'm sure he would be far more eloquent in justifying his own position. Uh, feel free to ask him, but he would fall uh, more on the side of uh, control his own member. Whereas I actually am persuaded that uh, this is talking more in uh, about acquire his own wife and that in, in includes enjoying his own partner. Vessel could be male or female, actually. So enjoy his own partner. 
Now, that would fit in with the way that Paul deals with this issue later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, where he talks about, you know, that it's better to marry than to burn with passion. And so actually the answer to uh, this is for people to get married. Uh, and that fits in with Paul's arguments that he uses there. That's God's solution. Now, there is a problem. Some of you may say, well, if you're going to go with that interpretation to acquire his own partner, then, you know, isn't that a bit derogatory to speak of someone in an objective way as they're, they're a vessel? Uh, and uh, certainly at the moment with this scandal around people like uh, Ravi Zacharias, there is debate about whether evangelicals have got it right in terms of understanding uh, the role of men and women in marriage and so on. And, and, and are we just objectifying women here uh, by saying, you know, they're a vessel? Um, but obviously what I would say on that is two things. One, it is a metaphor. Vessel is just a metaphor. It's used by Paul. We're vessels of clay and so on. So that's not a derogatory thing. It's just a picture that is used. The other point is this. In verse four, it says that he should acquire his own partner, his own wife, in a way that is holy and honourable, not in lust like the pagans. So in other words, he's saying that you treat your partner with respect, with honour. This isn't a place, marriage isn't a place for self-centeredness, for um, just uh, self-centered relationship. It's actually a place for love, for cherishing, for respecting, acquire his own, enjoy his own wife in honor and in holiness. It's to be a place of honor rather than just objectification, a place of honor. Now, this is an incredibly relevant topic, isn't it? As I close, um, I think it's important to mention uh, that, first of all, you know, with for all of us, this is absolutely uh, no option. We're to control, we're to learn to do this, to avoid, to make a clean cut with the world. And in marriage, uh, people say that uh, the fires of romance have died out uh, during lockdown. I think that's wrong. No, don't let that happen. Uh, it's a chance to actually spend time and to get to know and appreciate and enjoy your partner, I would say, during this time instead. And it's not just for married people, it's for single people as well. And I love what John Stott says. You see, I always find it slightly difficult to speak about this to single people when I'm married. But John Stott himself was a single man uh, all his life. And he says that what about us? What about single people? We too must accept this apostolic teaching, however hard it may seem, as God's good purpose both for us and for society. We shall not become a bundle of frustrations and inhibitions if we embrace God's standard, but only if we rebel against it. Christ's yoke is easy, provided that we submit to it. It is possible for human sexual energy to be redirected both into affectionate relationships with friends of both sexes and into the loving service of others. Multitudes of Christian singles, both men and women, can testify to this. Alongside a natural loneliness, accompanied sometimes by acute pain, we can find joyful self-fulfillment in the self-giving service of God and other people. So let's pray together.
And Lord, we do pray that all of us would find fulfillment and enjoyment in loving and serving one another, in living holy lives, in honouring you with our bodies and in honouring you in our relationships and in our marriages. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would be with us all today and you'd help us through this day and that you'd help us, Lord, to walk with you in holiness and in honour. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.